The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan and I will be your host for today. And uh, I'm guessing that this is going to be kind of a short episode, uh, but hopefully it'll be encouraging and exciting. Um, it's going to be a report on my most recent trip to West Africa. Um, and I, it, it's not going to just be literally a report. It's, I'm going to be sharing with you a few things that I learned and I'm taking away and uh, just reminded of. Um, when it comes to laborership and mission. Um, if you listen to my episode uh, from episode 174, I believe, let me check on that really quick. Yep, uh, episode 174, um, I had shared with you how leading up to this trip, I was experiencing a lot of fear. Uh, Burkina Faso is one of those do not travel locations, according to the, you know, U.S. Department of Travel or whatever they're called, um, their travel website says, don't go there because there's kidnapping and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but obviously, uh, you go when the Lord calls, and it's always amazing to me how peaceful things typically are, even when they have a level four rating, because uh, a lot of times those conflicts are regional, um, and as long as you're smart about where you go, uh, you probably won't even see any uh, issues. And that was my experience in Burkina Faso. I stayed um, in areas where there's no known conflicts happening. And uh, it was, it, it felt like very typical, normal Africa. Um, I've been to Africa, I think like 12 or 15 times now. And uh, it, it, it just felt like nor normal, normal Africa, um, which is the first encouragement that I have for you, which is to say, hey, if God's calling you to do something, uh, be sure you step into it and do it. Uh, you may be surprised that your fear, uh, if if fear was the reason that you were considering not engaging, you may be surprised that your fear uh, was unfounded like mine. Um, maybe there was some real danger at times, but uh, nothing that I knew about. Um, and of course, sometimes there are uh, things that you have to be cautious about and smart about. Uh, but as long as you exercise caution and you engage uh, the Holy Spirit in the process and um, you're you're thoughtful and intelligent about it, I think, honestly, I think you just got to do what God's calling you to do, regardless of how it looks from the outside. Um, so that's kind of a conclusion to that episode 174. Everything worked out. And on top of that, God moved powerfully. Uh, while we were there, we did what we call a plan A conference, or uh, you might call it like a laborership conference or like a basic evangelism conference. Um, essentially, the goal of the, the the goal of the conference, this training is to equip ordinary everyday people to share the message of Jesus with the people in their lives. And I've shared this on the podcast before. Uh, it's astounding to me how many people I encounter who, the reason that they're not sharing the gospel with their friends and neighbors, this is typically outside of the United States, um, 
globally speaking, but the reason that they're not sharing the gospel with their friends and neighbors is because they believe that they don't have permission, uh, which is just continually a jaw-dropping reality I, I, that I just do not understand. But basically, people believe uh, on a global scale, people, Christians believe that you have to be special. Uh, you have to be vocationally a church worker like a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist or whatever to be someone sharing the gospel. Otherwise, they're told over and over again that they don't have what it takes in order to do it, and you need special something in order to do it. It's not laziness. It's not uh, a sense of fear or insecurity. It's literally like, I just, I didn't know. I didn't know that I was allowed to, which is, like I said, just absolutely insane. Anyway, so we encountered a couple of those people uh, this time, but I was surprised to discover that there were many who were intentionally, who came to the training, who said, hey, like, I really want to be sharing the gospel with my friends and neighbors, but I don't know how. Uh, that's the other thing that you encounter all the time, no matter where you go. People are always like, I feel this this pressure, this de this desire, this conviction that I want to share Jesus with other people in my, my, my in my life, but I I just don't know how I can do it. I don't know. I don't know step one, step two, or step three. When it comes to this conversation, I feel like the answers are quite diverse. Um, there are those who have really ex expansive uh, trainings that are full of lots of details and um, really well articulated arguments and all of those kinds of things. And I don't have anything against any of those kinds of trainings. I think they're great as long as they're usable. Um, I think that the key word for equipping ordinary everyday followers of Jesus to engage the mission of Jesus and share the gospel with those around them in their spheres of influence. I think the key is making sure that it's usable because if your training is the best training ever, but it's too complicated for the average person to understand or implement, then you've just wasted all of your time and their time and whatever money was invested in the training and whatever, you know, like you've just wasted all of that because if it's not usable, what good is it? Uh, if there's one thing that I feel like modern Christians have an abundance of, almost an overabundance of, it's uh, theories and theology and, and philosophies of ministry. And we have a lot of like thoughts about how to obey Jesus. But the thing that we seem to be lacking is actually obeying Jesus, <laughs> which is, sorry, I, I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable, not because I actually think it's funny. Um, we, yeah, we, we, we definitely are lacking actually obeying Jesus. Okay, anyway, so we're doing these trainings and God is moving. And the goal of when, when I do a laborership training, one of my major goals is I want them to walk away with the, the core essential teachings memorized. Like I, I, I do reviews as we're going through the sessions and just to highlight the core essential details that I hope that they're walking away with so that by the time we get to the end of all of all four sessions or out all, all six sessions or however many, um, this time is four. Uh, by the time we get to the end of all four sessions, they know uh, what does it mean to be a laborer for Christ? What kinds of things do laborers for Christ do? Uh, if if I lead somebody to Jesus, how can I lead somebody to Jesus? How can I find somebody uh, who I can lead to Jesus? And if I do successfully lead somebody to Jesus, what do I do after? So all of those components working together, uh, 
I believe make this training extremely practical and usable. And consistently at all three trainings in Burkina Faso, the feedback that we got was it's extremely practical and usable, <laughs> which is great. Um, but just reminds me that as we from the West or uh, as we who are intellectually oriented, engage with people who are on the front lines of ministry, whether they live in a, a closed country or a semi-closed country, or they're surrounded by people of other faiths or whatever, we need to keep in mind that making things practical is super important. Like, what is the value of a bunch of head knowledge? If at the end of the day, Jesus says that we reveal our love for him by our obedience. Um, we all, as Christians, we often think of that, that scripture, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. Like when I get to the end of my life, I want Jesus to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You'll notice that he doesn't say well thought of, well considered, well, you know, well pondered, well, uh, you know, you, you, you had all the systems in place, you know, like he says, well done. So making these things practical, applicational, anyway, very, very important. And here's the payoff. So uh, as a speaker, whenever you go places, people, you're always asking people to commit or to, to like make some kind of public commitment to what uh, God is doing in their life. So if, if the spirit of God is convicting them to say, hey, it's, it's your turn to go and share the gospel, you want them to make some kind of public commitment so that it's ingrained in them and the people around them, it, it, it kind of becomes an accountability thing. Like the brothers and sisters in that body of Christ are, are holding one another accountable to actually doing what they committed to do. And when you make that public commitment, it gets a lot more serious, right? So I'm always asking people, hey, is there one person uh, that God would have you share the gospel with this week? And uh, people always stand and share. And I'm always wondering like, man, Praise God that so many people are doing this, but I always secretly wonder, like, are people actually going to do it? So uh, usually I don't have the opportunity to go back to like a group of people and check, but this time I did, and it was awesome. <laughs> anyway, so we're we're there, and we do the training, and then I go to a different part of the country for a few days, and then I come back, and I'm able to follow up on the training with these people. So it's five days later. And I said, I would love to hear any stories that you have. And <laughs> one older woman began sharing about how uh, the town drunk just so happened to be in front of her house after the training one day. And she decided to share Jesus with him. And he decided to accept Jesus. And now he and he, she said, yeah, he's planning on coming to church and coming on a regular basis. And she was really excited about that. And that's something to be excited about. There was another woman who described, it was very, uh, we were doing three translations. So from English to French to the local language, and <laughs> it was getting a little confusing. But uh, what seemed to be the story was this woman had had a dream the previous night of a person that she felt like God was saying, I want you to share the gospel with that person. She had woken up that morning and gone and found that person and had shared the gospel with them. And that person had decided to believe. So, hey, praise God. That's amazing. Uh, one man 
who I'm guessing has like the spiritual gift of evangelism, had led five people to Christ over the course of those five days, which is crazy. Another uh, sent his wife because he couldn't come because he is at work. Uh, but he sent his wife to report that two people had decided to follow Jesus as a result of his ministry. Uh, and, and several others shared other stories as well. So uh, it was really this incredibly encouraging time. And I took note of the fact that these people had had a much more significant impact in this period of time than I had. Um, I was struggling to navigate this country because I speak minimal French, like merci, you know, like I'm thank you or hello, but I, you know, say la vie. It is what it is. I don't know. Like I, I legitimately do not speak any French. And so I was really having a hard time navigating this country and was really having to work closely with translators and stuff. And uh, so my my ability to do like street evangelism and stuff like that was like very, very limited. But all of these people who live in this place and do all these things, they were they were able to easily engage their friends and neighbors and share the good news of Jesus with them. And their impact was very significant. I mean, there are people who will be standing uh, in the throne room worshiping God one day because of, of the work that these people did, these ordinary everyday people did. And it reminded me of the importance of multipli multiplication. Um, we often think in terms of addition, like how many people can I lead to Christ? And that's great. It's very important. Uh, don't hear me under undermining that at all. But what if we began to think in terms of multiplication, not just how many people can I lead to Christ, but how many people can I bring alongside me and they can also lead people to Christ. So if I can train others who can effectively share the gospel in any particular in environment or cultural context or language context or whatever, their impact will be so much more than my impact if I was trying to do it all by myself. And that's the cool part about the laborership concept is that I don't have to be the one constantly leading people to Christ. I, of course, I, I want to, I want to lead people to Christ, but it's not just dependent on me. The movement is dependent on all of us working together. Uh, it's striking that when Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, few pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers. That happens in Matthew chapter nine, but also I believe it's Luke 10. And in Luke 10, Jesus immediately says, go, I'm sending you. In in, Ma in Matthew chapter 9, you have to read to the next chapter, and he does the exact same thing, but go, I'm sending you. Jesus multiplied himself. After looking at all of the needs around him, he didn't think, oh man, I need to work longer hours. Uh, of course, he was working very long hours. Uh, we know that sometimes he would go without sleep, without eating. Uh, he was working very, very hard, uh, but his answer to all of the needs was, I need help. I need other people to come alongside me. So Jesus's method is not just addition, not just him doing the work. His method is multiplication. He brings others along with him and together they do the work. And uh, it just, this trip uh, put an extra emphasis on that for me. So my three major takeaways from the trip are, remember not to let fear make your decisions for you. Always just follow what the spirit of God is telling you to do. Number two, uh, oh, a, a super intense emphasis on practicality. Uh, like what is the value of a super complicated training that nobody can use? What is the value of just 
more ex thought exercises? What what is the value of additional theology uh, that nobody can really put into practice? Uh, at the end of the day, it's going to be well done, good and faithful servant. And of course, the third one, just this incredible emphasis on multiplication. Like I, I, I was seeing it firsthand, the, the the power of saying it's not just me. Like I'm not special. It's not, this movement is not just dependent on me. It's dependent on all of us working together to see people come to know Jesus. Anyway, I hope that that, I hope that this has been encouraging to you. Uh, I know I'm praising God and just taking note that, man, he's, <laughs> he's so awesome. So praising God and uh, thank you all for praying and coming alongside the mission. Uh, God is moving and he's moving powerfully and more kingdom laborers are being raised up and more people are deciding to follow Jesus and it's cool. Anyway, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. God bless.